Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. From The Recount, I'm Rena Nainan, and you're listening to The Recount Daily Pod. Today is Tuesday, August 24th. It's these sort of moral injuries that you get by being in situations where you can't do everything that your moral conscience wants you to be able to do. And that has long-lasting implications. That was Dan Taberski, executive producer of the podcast The Line, speaking about the intense moral anguish U.S. soldiers have had to confront during the course of fighting in the forever wars. We're going to dive into that a little bit later on in the podcast. But first, your morning headlines. The Taliban is responding to President Joe Biden's comments about possibly extending the August 31st withdrawal date. A Taliban spokesman weighed in on Sky News. If they are intent on continuing the occupation, so it will um, provoke a reaction. Meanwhile, British media reports that Prime Minister Boris Johnson is expected to ask President Biden to extend the withdrawal date during the G7 summit today. Johnson's pushing the extension after Britain identified thousands of people, including Afghan citizens, that they want to help evacuate. Federal regulators granted full approval to the Pfizer-BioNTech coronavirus vaccine yesterday. The move by the FDA marks the first licensing of a vaccine for the coronavirus. The Pfizer vaccine has been approved for two doses, three weeks apart, in people 16 and older. Moderna filed for FDA approval back in June, a month after Pfizer. It's likely they'll get approval as early as September, before the booster shots become available. Johnson & Johnson plans to apply by the end of the year. President Biden took the opportunity to leverage the announcement to encourage vaccinations. If you're one of the millions of Americans who said that they uh, will not get the shot, when it's until it has full and final approval of the FDA, it has now happened. The moment you've been waiting for is here. It's time for you to go get your vaccination. The Pfizer news set off a wave of new vaccine mandates across the country. Among the announcements, the Pentagon said it was moving ahead with plans to require coronavirus vaccines for nearly 1.4 million active duty troops. Governor Phil Murphy of New Jersey announced Monday that all school employees must be fully vaccinated by October 18th or submit to weekly testing. New Jersey is the fourth state to institute a vaccine mandate for school staff. 
New York City officials said that public school teachers and staffers there will also have to get vaccinated, ramping up pandemic protections in the nation's largest school system. About 148,000 school employees will have to get at least a first dose by September 27th. And now to our daily deep dive. The Line is a podcast about the war crimes case of Navy SEAL Eddie Gallagher. It's also about the forever wars, what they're doing to the hearts and minds of those we send to fight them. And joining me today is The Line's executive producer, Dan Taberski. Dan, welcome. Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me. So your podcast largely centers around the case of retired U.S. Navy SEAL Eddie Gallagher. Who is Eddie Gallagher and what exactly happened in this case? Eddie Gallagher is a Navy SEAL chief. Uh, there's about 2,500 Navy SEALs, and he's one of them. He's been on eight combat deployments, so a seasoned veteran. And this whole story basically centers around their deployment in Mosul in 2017. Eddie Gallagher was the chief for Alpha Platoon of SEAL Team 7. And it centers around the allegations that were made by the fellow SEALs in his platoon about his behavior. Um, Gallagher was accused of essentially committing war crimes. The main charge is the accusation of murder. Um, He was accused of stabbing a young ISIS soldier that they had taken prisoner during a battle uh, in Mosul. And he's accused of stabbing that prisoner and killing him. In addition, he's accused of, by his SEALs in his platoon, of shooting at unarmed civilians. Uh, Basically, just what you would call trying to get your kill on in Mosul during that deployment. Were the accusations correct? Uh, Well, a jury cleared him of six of the seven charges. The one that he was declared guilty of uh, was for taking a picture with a corpse, basically conduct unbecoming. You follow this closely. Do you think the jury was right? I say in the podcast, I probably would have said not guilty, too. But that is based on the evidence that I think that the prosecution presented at trial, which I think just wasn't enough, unfortunately, for his accusers who felt like he really was guilty of the charges that they were accusing him of. I mean, murder in a war zone is a really challenging thing to prove because they're ostensibly sent there to kill ISIS anyway. And so, you know, there's no body, there's no autopsy. The victim is in most ways an unsympathetic person. So it it is a challenging thing to take somebody of murder in a war zone. So you interviewed Eddie Gallagher and his wife, and Gallagher made an astonishing admission that he did not make in court. What did they tell you? It was the last conversation we had. Um, and I just came out and, and asked him, you know, I would have said not guilty. And I told him that I didn't think the evidence was enough. But I also don't believe that the other SEALs made it up. No way. There's no way that those SEALs in that platoon would take such a risk with their careers, potentially their lives that is built into them for years and years and years. There's no way they would just make it up just to get revenge because they didn't like Gallagher. I just didn't believe it. And so when we sort of went back and forth on that, and he said that the grain of truth is that they did kill that prisoner, that a prisoner was killed by all the medical scenarios that they did on him until he died. He admitted that they used him as a live tissue lab until he died, rather than providing medical care so that he would survive. Of course, him saying that about the other people in his platoon, that's an accusation and they either deny it or they can't comment because they're still in the military. As far as him saying that about himself, that's an admission. Um, And that didn't come up during the trial. It came up now. And I think that's for people to decide how they feel about it. Mm. Why do you think he felt comfortable enough to be so forward and admit that on your podcast? I don't know. I, I Part of me thinks that he doesn't think it's wrong. Regardless of what you think of Gallagher, you know, as he put it, he thinks it's good versus evil. 
Um, that, that's how he thinks about war. And so when you're fighting evil, I, I believe in his mind or the way he's portrayed it to me, the details of how you get rid of evil are less important than getting rid of evil. What you get, even aside from just Gallagher, was just how confusing um, the moral sort of situation was in Mosul and how not cut and dry the scenarios were where they were operating from. We saw at the trial that the Pentagon had said they hadn't changed the rules of engagement. Uh, and at the trial, which they redacted, but then we later discovered, they say that they had changed the rules of engagement. So the rules for fighting had been changed in Mosul. They weren't even supposed to be in combat. They were there under what was called a AAA uh, advisor assistant company. Basically, in 2011, when the war in Iraq was declared over, they basically said, anybody who goes to Iraq now is just AAA. We're just basically advising. And so it makes people think here, back home, that they're not really in combat. They were in combat every day, and you can see that from the testimony of the trial. Um, they were in very precarious situations. People were getting wounded. There were battles. Like, this was combat. Uh, and so you see just how murky the situation had gotten for the people fighting there. I want to get into this concept of these moral boundaries that are really murky. The title of your podcast is The Line. It refers to that blurry moral boundaries that soldiers encounter in war. How did your podcast come about, and what were you hoping people would get out of it? I mean, they, during the trial, there were basically two reactions, right? There was basically half the country was saying, Eddie Gallagher's a monster. Like, if the New York Times prints this article and says that he did all these things and that is what he's accused of, why would the SEALs come out and say this? This guy's a monster. Not sort of leaving any room for any sort of the murkiness in gray areas that might exist in a war zone, right? The other half of the country was like, he's innocent. Not only is he innocent, but does it really matter if he did kill an ISIS prisoner? Does it really matter if the good guys crossed the line? Um, and I thought that the gap was so huge and so interesting and basically what we wanted to do was sort of find that middle ground and, and see what the actual story was, um, as opposed to just sort of political arguments you, you would make on the polls. I'm fascinated by this concept of moral injury, which is a major theme in your podcast. What is moral injury? And can the U.S. military do anything to prevent it? Is it just here to stay and you've got to deal with it? Well, moral injury was something that was coined after Vietnam and, and essentially where PTSD is trauma from a terrifying situation. Uh, moral injury is trauma to your conscience. It's trauma to your character about being in a situation where you feel like you made the wrong moral decision, where you didn't do enough. As one of the experts in our podcast says, if you didn't pick up the rifle quick enough to save your friend, or if you saw somebody get shot and you would have stopped it, but feel like you didn't act quick enough. Um, it's these sort of moral injuries that you get by being in situations where you can't do everything that your moral conscience wants you to be able to do. And that has long lasting implications. And it particularly came about uh, during the war on terror because the SEALs and other special operators were, as one special operator we talked to put it, they were killing guys so close that you could smell their bad breath as they were doing it. And they weren't just doing it once one deployment, two deployments, three deployments, like in World War II, this has been 20 years now. Some of these guys are going on, you know, Eddie Gallagher was on eight, 10, 12 combat deployments. This is, your killing and combat is your life. And, and people are trying to figure out now, I mean, killing is morally wrong. In war, it's right, we're asking you to do it, but can you do that for 20 years and not have it affect the person that you are? What, what, what are the implications of that going forward for a person, how they relate to their family? Um, how they relate to themselves and their own brain. We've got to take a quick break, but we'll be back with Dan Taberski, executive producer of The Line. 
Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast, but when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning. We also talk to some of the hottest country stars of today, and we like to share some good news with That's What I Like. Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us at 92.3 WCOL. Set your preset on your radio right now, and don't forget you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app. Hey, welcome back to the Recount Daily Pod, a podcast from the Recount and iHeartRadio. I'm here with Dan Taberski, executive producer of The Line, and we're talking about the war crimes case of Navy SEAL Eddie Gallagher. You know, the SEALs have a very strict ethos that they're taught to memorize and live by. And in the ethos, there's this phrase, and I'm quoting, it says, we do not advertise the nature of our work. Yet Eddie Gallagher's wife and brother engaged in a very serious PR campaign leading to the trial. Tell me about that. Yeah, I mean, they decided that they weren't going to stay quiet, uh, that they felt like Gallagher had been wrongly accused. And rather than sort of being shrinking violence, you know, especially his wife, Andrea Gallagher, went out and publicly defended him hard. You know, if it was my spouse, I'm sure I would do the same thing. But that that was uh, a problem for a lot of SEALs in the SEAL community because it is within their ethos to be quiet professionals, as they call it, to not talk about what you do. That's part of how they conduct themselves. You know, another part of the SEALs ethos is uncompromising integrity is my standard. It specifically came up with regards to Gallagher's alleged targeting of civilians. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, he was accused by members of his platoon for shooting civilians. Their mission in Mosul was to clear Mosul of ISIS. But ISIS was, you know, several thousand fighters hiding among hundreds of thousands of actual Iraqis living in Mosul. And so it was very difficult to tell the difference between the two. But the SEALs in in Gallagher's platoon say that the difference didn't seem to matter to Gallagher uh, and that he on multiple occasions had shot, wounded and attempted to kill civilians. He was declared innocent of that in the trial, um, but the people who accused him still maintain. What does it teach us about the military men, the rule of law, when you look at this Gallagher case? I mean, what I took away about it is that Gallagher, the man, and, and what he did or did not do in Alpha Platoon is one thing. I think the other thing I took away from it, and almost more important because it implicates us as citizens, is that we are a big part of setting up the murky moral boundaries in war. The SEALs were there working with the ERD, which is basically like Iraqi special forces, right? The ERD had been blacklisted by the United States in 2015 for committing war crimes. And we decided to work with them anyway. We worked around it saying that defeating ISIS in Mosul was more important than not working with these Iraqi accused war criminals. And the Navy SEALs, when they were in Mosul, Alpha Platoon was sharing a building with the ERD and they would hear the torture from the other rooms in between the walls. They would hear the torture at night. They would hear men being electrocuted. They would see men go in and not come out. They knew that prisoners were dying in there at the hands of the people that they were fighting with. And I think you have to ask yourself if the military is setting up moral situations where that is the environment that Navy SEALs are acting in, I don't think we can pretend it's a total surprise 
when it seems like some of the seals are losing track of where that moral line is, if we're the ones that are blurring it in the first. Do you feel like there needs to be reform or is this just rules of engagement and war? We need to figure out what it does to men who fight wars for 20 years. This is not like World War II. This is not just going in, doing what you have to do for your country and then trying to go back and living a normal life. This is a lifetime of fighting and killing. And I think that what the military needs to do is assess what is happening to the hearts and the minds of the people that we send out to fight. And not just moral injury, obviously PTSD, traumatic brain injury. It's estimated, you know, Eddie Gallagher, uh, by his own admission and by the admission of uh, of medical professionals who examined him, said that he had at least 18 traumatic brain injuries in his lifetime. That is a lot. Anybody who knows about the NFL and traumatic brain injury knows that it does a lot to you, to the way you act. Traumatic brain injury has the symptoms include things like lack of impulse control, profound moral disorientation, anger, depression. And it's estimated that 85% of Navy SEALs get traumatic brain injuries on training alone. In my opinion, it is less about the organizational chart of the military, and it's more about doing a real hard look at what this is doing to the hearts and minds of the people that are fighting, especially when we're in an environment where the way we're fighting wars is that we're pretending they're not really in combat. We're doing it all in secret. You know, these guys are going out there in six month combat deployments. And I mean, we wouldn't know the difference. Like, you know, they're just there advising as far as we're concerned. So fighting wars in secret, you have to ask, how is that impacting the people who are asked to fight those wars in secret? Does it really matter if the good guys cross the line? Yeah, it matters a lot because knowing where the line is means the difference between going home to your family when it's all done and knowing that you did the right thing versus going home to your family and having a lifetime of regret. And that's on the military to create the environment where people aren't ruining their lives. When you look at Eddie Gallagher's trial and you see President Trump reversing the demotion, what's the long-term implications of this trial? Well, he he came out and sort of tweeted about Gallagher before the trial started, before jury uh, deliberation, before jury selection. So anybody on that jury, the judge, the prosecutors, the defense, everybody knew that, that Trump was then watching. So that will impact the tenor of a trial. In terms of Trump, you know, reversing his demotion, it just makes the line murkier. We talked to over 50 special operators for this project, and I did not meet 50 Eddie Gallagher's. I met a lot of people who care about the difference between right and wrong. I met a lot of people who felt the toll of moral murkiness. And when your president comes out and does something like that, all that does is make it worse. So what's been the reaction from the military? What are people saying about this? Um, The SEALs are a quiet bunch. In general, I think um, they're used to being either portrayed as, you know, killing machines or as Medal of Honor winners. And I think both of those are really flat depictions of what it means to be a Navy SEAL. So I think regardless of if they disagreed with parts of the project, they thought I was too tough on them or whatever. I I think a lot of people are just appreciative of the sort of deep, complicated treatment of what it is that they're doing. Um, I also think that these guys are suffering. Like the suicide rates for Navy SEALs are five times that of the general population. Um, Traumatic brain injuries are through the roof, PTSD, moral injury. These people are coming back from deployment and they're not getting ticker tape parades because they're not even supposed to be fighting. This is all technically happening in secret. Uh, And so they are suffering. Uh, They're suffering mentally, they're suffering physically for sure, and they're suffering emotionally. And I think that's a hard thing for a tough Navy SEAL to talk about. I think they're getting better at it, but I think that the general population needs to get much better at supporting them when they come back because they need it. The podcast is called The Line. 
grateful to have you. Executive producer Dan Taberski joining us today on the Recount Daily Pod. Dan, thank you. Hey, thanks so much. It was my pleasure. And now to the look ahead. Here's what else we're watching today. President Biden meets virtually with G7 leaders to discuss a united approach on Afghanistan. The leaders are expected to discuss ongoing evacuations, humanitarian assistance and support for refugees. The meeting comes as Biden faces international criticism over the messy withdrawal of U.S. forces. It's New York Governor Kathy Hochul's first official day in office. The state's first female governor replaced Andrew Cuomo following a report by the New York Attorney General's office that detailed multiple allegations of sexual harassment. Hochul will serve out Cuomo's remaining 16 months in office. She's already announced plans to run for governor next year. The 16th Paralympic Games kick off in Tokyo today. Second gentleman Doug Emhoff is scheduled to attend. Wishing everyone lots of luck. Go Team USA. Have a great day. I'll see you back tomorrow. This is the Recount Daily Pod, a podcast from the Recount and iHeartRadio. Our thanks to Dan Taberski for being on the show. And if you like the episode, I hope you'll subscribe to the Recount Daily Pod and leave us a rating on the Apple Podcast app. I'm your host, Rena Ninen. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. It's the Breakfast Club, the world's most dangerous morning show. Hey! Angela Yee is kind of like the big sister that always pokes you in the forehead. That's not how it goes? That's not how anything goes. Yimby's really like a robot. One of the best DJs ever. Believe that. Charlamagne is the wild card. And I'm about to give somebody the credit they deserve for being stupid. I know, that's right. (laughs) What is wrong with you? Listen to The Breakfast Club weekday mornings from 6 to 10 on 106.7 The Beat. Columbus is real hip-hop and R&B.